to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Ben Pritchard, and welcome to today's episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. Uh, Today, we'll be talking about last week's Building Safety First conference that was hosted by uh, Building a Safety Building a Safer Future, the code for Construction Product Information and UK Construction Week. Uh, And today's special guest is one of the attendees, the director here at Invent, Brendan Morahan. Good morning, Brendan. Morning, Ben. That's the first time I've been introduced as a guest. I'm happy to follow Today that. you're I'm in for a grilling. Today you're in for a grilling rather than giving the grilling. Uh, but obviously before we get into uh, last week's conference, hear all about it and some of the key takeaways from it, the obvious question, the first question, I'm ready, all I guess, I'm ready for it. What did you have for breakfast? And I had my usual porridge and uh, uh, a couple of less I used to wash it down with so uh, well then well you did better than I did uh, I had a banana and a coffee when I got here nah, so running a little bit late I can have a big lunch exactly so the conference last week uh, from what I saw was well attended sort of 300 yeah, people. 300 people there yeah um, so as with a lot of these things that are happening now I think everyone's enjoying the being back in person um, the added dimension that gives us um, but also a very uh, topical um, conference all around the Building Safety Bill, the impact that's going to have uh, on the industry uh, over the coming months and years. Yeah. Uh, how did you find it? Well, I think that's... Um, I'll go on to the content of the conference, but I think you raise a, a really important point. It was probably the first industry event that I've been to post-pandemic that was so well attended. And it was it was very clear that people welcomed the opportunity just to network and interact and get back to some level of normality. Um, and it's interesting how behaviours have changed. I found that uh, there were, it's pleasing to see a number of our clients were there, uh, a lot of people that I know or know of. So it was, it was well attended but with a diversity of, of people and, and backgrounds. From a, a business development and a networking point of view, it was quite revealing how few people actually had business cards with them and I uh, know we've discussed this internally as to is that a trend that business cards are think, thought of being yesterday's news or is it people have emptied their pockets out and haven't refilled them again but it's, uh, it is an interesting insight as to how people then can con- connect after these events mm. just to continue the conversations. Because yeah, I know that there's a trend now for uh, little apps, QR codes, right. uh, and ways of just you know, holding your phones together. The problem with that is, is remembering who you then met to follow up <laughs> after. <laughs> that, that <laughs> so that's yeah, you need some sort of storage on LinkedIn that yeah. says you know connection on X date and at X event. That's right. But going back to the, the content, as you say, it was called Building Safety First, and it's all about the the soon to be launched or the royal ascent of the Building Safety Bill. So. There were a mix of people there, which was really important. There were regulators, um, bureaucrats, there were leaders of business, there were residents, um, there were contractors, there were specialists. So a real diverse mix of, of people there. And I, th- I found it quite a useful catalyst to get people thinking about, this isn't now in the future, this is here. Um, the Royal Ascent is likely to happen April, maybe May, but certainly this parliamentary session. And I think there was a big call 
to action for people to say, look, let's start working on the basis that it exists already. And you know, like you, from my perspective, we're, we've been aware of this for many years. Um, we've been following its evolution. But I think it did bring it into stark focus that actually this is an event now. It's, it's happened or happening. Um, but as someone quite rightly said, this isn't the starting, this is the starting pistol, it's not the finishing tape. And there is a lot of work that's got to be done to make that happen. And so, and do you feel, I mean, a lot of people there, a lot of people you know, do you feel that the audience there are ready for that starter's pistol? They've been doing their warm-up laps? Um, or are they still working out how to really approach it? As always, the 20, 60, 20%, 20% are absolutely on top of this, have contributed to a lot of the consultation and are ready to go and indeed are going. There's a big rub of the 60% that are sort of trying to learn and catch up, uh, which is why conferences such as that are really useful. And then there's the sceptical, probably healthy, healthily sceptical people that are saying, well, look, is this just another fad that we're going to go through? And or is it just bureaucracy gone mad? Um, is all of the legislation and regulation proportionate to running, you know, sustainable businesses and the like? So I think it was not so much in the the open forum, but certainly in the conversations around. There's a complete spectrum of views there. Bit of fear, bit of apprehension as to what does this really mean? We're busy trying to rebuild our businesses post-pandemic, and now there's another layer of bureaucracy that's coming on us. Others saying, well, thank God now, this is a this is a focal point to do a lot of the good things that we as a business and we as an industry have been speaking about doing for many, many years. Someone that you and I know well, Adam Turkey, made a comment in, in open environment. He said this is the best opportunity in the 30 years he's been in the industry of making things happen. Mm -hmm. Now, whether it is or it isn't, um, from my perspective, you've got to grab the opportunity and make something happen with it. Because the big issue for me that came out loud and clear is let's not get too caught up in the standards and the niceties of this. What will or will not make this a success is about leadership and culture. And are people prepared to make a difference and be the difference? And that's what this was really all all about was trying to get hearts and minds to say we've got to do this why don't we do this and how as importantly do we ensure that there are regulations and processes in place that allow people to do things right rather than being an encumbrance and, and almost be a method of catching people out yeah and it certainly isn't trying you know the intention of the bill is to not catch people out is to try and help people ensure that they don't accidentally do the wrong thing or that they know what the right thing is where they might have been grey previously uh, in the industry because you're yeah. right this is certainly something that will change all aspects of the industry you know over the last couple of weeks we've talked and seen people talk about how it's going to impact procurement impact quality management the documents you require who says what when where why and how yeah. throughout from inception through to maintenance and running even to an extent where you know it, it's a real change to um, talk about residents being so integral to it as well. Well, that's a really interesting point because the mantra is that the residents need to be upfront and central in all of the thinking. Having spoken to a couple of the residents there, they were quite perturbed that they hadn't been consulted as part of the Hackett Review. 
So that is quite an interesting paradox there. Um, but nonetheless, I think, you know, we've always espoused the fact that at the end of the day, the construction is a means to an end. And it's always been important in our view that you're looking at both the capex and the opex. So it's, it's making sure that you understand the design, making sure you understand the construction process, but absolutely as importantly, thinking about the occupation thereafter. And that has often been missed. So this golden thread now is, I was going to say forcing, but certainly encouraging people to now think about that in the round, which, as you and I have said in the past, can only be a good thing because it embraces all of the, the good things that we said this industry is capable of doing at its best. Yeah, certainly, I get the, like you say, that operational, the impact you have on the end users now is something that you cannot ignore. The yeah. law won't let you ignore. So when we start talking about procuring for value, the idea of having a positive impact on the bill environment, society and everything. Yeah. You've got no choice in, in many ways. Um, I guess the um, there is still that, is, does your building qualify? Uh, is it a high risk building as it were? But ultimately I don't think we should use that as an excuse not to use it. Um, I think some of it, yes, obviously will only uh, be relevant to your 80 meters plus, but some of the principles shouldn't be ignored however tall your building yeah, is yeah i mean it's perverse that you could even think that you'd build unsafe yeah so, <laughs> building safety in as part of the way you do things and then then there are certain uh, products that the regulations apply to and some that don't but if you get the principle enshrined within your business that you're focused on not only carrying out the process safely but ensuring what you leave behind is safe for those people that use it. Well, that just seems to me, not only to be ethically right, but it seems to be good business. Mm. Um, so I think you can look at this in two ways. You can look at this as being an imposition of regulation, which it is, or you can look at it and say that it, it's really um, encouraging people to start with the end in mind and think about how can you get to that end in the most efficient and effective way. The uh, catalyst for, for a lot of this, for the Hackett Review, for the safety bill and everything, is obviously the tragedy at Grenfell. Yeah. Um, and that can sometimes mean there's a bit of a misunderstanding that it's all about cladding, fire management, uh, and that sort of um, part of the industry. But it's much more than that, isn't it? It's much more about building safely. Um, uh, building, yeah. Like you say, we, you would hope that no one in the industry goes to build an unsafe building, but unfortunately that a lack of um, uh, joined up thinking, I guess, and a real understanding of the implications of some things people do has led to, unfortunately, uh, an intended consequence of unsafe buildings being built. Yeah, I mean, there are always, always going to be examples where people have been, put it bluntly, incompetent and not fit to, to do what they should be doing. But but the vast majority of people that we've known in our careers actually go out to do a good job. But let's never lose sight of the fact of how complex the whole process is. And therefore, what we've got to concentrate on is how do we help people do what is right, rather than put barriers in their way so they get things inadvertently wrong. Now, one of the things that really struck me and we hear about it as it happens, but it, it was reinforced at, at the conferences. Grenfell was June 2017. Well, since then, there have been a number of incidents 
that but for improvements in the fire rescue services could have resulted in, in further loss. So it is wrong for people to think that this is a response to Grenfell and that that was just a one-off event. As an industry, we're capable of getting things wrong for a number of reasons, but as I said, sometimes it's because of the complexity of, of the industry that we're in, it's very fragmented, and sometimes it's that despite good intentions, people aren't sufficiently competent to do what they do and know what the, the, the overall process is. And that did lead to a number of conversations, both in open forum and certainly some of the conversations I had around there, is to the whole issue of procurement and contract. I used to uh, lecture at King's College to construction lawyers, and one of the major points I was always saying is, you get what you contract. So if your contract terms are adversarial, don't be surprised if there is adversity thereafter. If, however, your contract terms are seeking to, to draw out early the expertise and competence and ensure that's suitably rewarded and the risk mechanism is understood and properly apportioned, then equally don't be surprised if it turns out to be a success. And I think that's a big area that the industry needs to address. And when I say the industry, a lot of the sponsors of, of clients are outside of the industry that engage with the industry to make it happen. So that's a big issue for me, is how we can ensure that those clients are properly informed to engage with the industry properly, and that this level of competency that includes the knowledge, understanding and ability to build safely is part of the selection criteria. Which is, um, I mean, it's the, a lot of the good work that David Mosey and his team have been doing and um, uh, the, the wider group involved with it. It's more guidance than, than law. However, um, in some ways, you can't do what the bill asks without procuring in the way that the um, uh, the procurement guidance and everything that's coming out uh, will, will help you move towards. And in some ways, it's reinforcing some of the excellent work that a number of organisations have done over the last year. The um, uh, the uh, the construction, construction playbook. playbook, that's what I was going to say, guidebook, it's the playbook, yeah. all of the constructing for value that the uh, Innovation Hub and everyone has been working on, all these things seem to be, in some ways, almost without trying, converging to a point where they hopefully will all come together to really impact positively the next few years and the future of the industry. Absolutely right. Um, I think there are some, there is, as always, a bit of devil in the detail. I, uh, I attended a, uh, a webinar that Professor David Mosey um, gave on Monday this week, actually. And one of the questions I did raise is there's a lot of emphasis on early supply chain involvement. But you'll know when we speak with a number of people in the supply chain, they're very concerned as to how do you contribute those ideas early um, what's the incentivization to do so? What's the reward to do so? And how do you mm -hmm. how do you retain your competitive advantage? So there are some issues amongst that, for example, that I think needs to be addressed. But I think the other point that that I would respond to the point you've just said is that when we speak to, to to people in the industry, they're very busy being busy. Some aren't even aware of all these initiatives mm -hmm. that are going around, or if they are. There's just too many of them for them to comprehend. And therefore, I think we as a consultant and others have a role to try and condense all that and put it into a framework that makes it understandable. Because 
as a business owner, I want to be able to relate to a business owner and say, this is good business. And if you follow this, it's just good business, as opposed to you've got a good business, but now you've got to do all this stuff as well. So it's trying to make it translatable and, and relevant and proportionate because mm-hmm. it's it's not going to be the same for every business. Well, and I think the proportion of it is where often people get turned off by the guidance because they'll read it, yeah. they'll see the examples and they'll yeah. see massive projects that doesn't relate to me when yeah. really if you distill the key governance points, the key lessons learned and everything else, it, it translates to everyone. Exactly. Uh, people just go, oh, that's to do with Crossrail, High Speed 2 or have you, it's got nothing to do with me. Yeah. It, it is about that relatability that I think we struggle with as an industry at times because uh, every project's unique. Yeah. Um, we sort of thrive on that but also use it to readily as an excuse. No, I think that, that's right. I think um, in construction, because of the complexity, we do get caught up a little bit in that fog of war and it's very easy to come up with reasons why we can't do things or why things haven't happened. I just think we've got to get better at understanding how we can make things happen and therefore ensure that there is enough simplicity that addresses the complex nature of the industry. So how do we as an industry best answer the requirements? What are we going to try and do? How do we adapt and adopt uh, to make sure that new entrants understand that existing entrants who might be having business involved that 60% or 80% um, you know know what they need to do how do we best sort of approach the challenge well I think I think the first thing is I go back to that, those two words leadership and culture you've got to want to do it so there's got to be a want you and I in our business you meet people and you can see some of them are just sparking ambition and betterment and improvement and others it's about what's the quickest way to get from A to Z and get my money paid. So I think there's got to be a discernment there about wanting to do to do something right. Um, I think the, the second thing then is you've got to ensure that there is a level of competence. So that isn't just about can I do my job right, it's about do I understand how my job contributes to the whole and including the necessary standards and guidelines. I don't need to know everything but I need to be part of a chain that knows everything. Um, I think then we've got to think about how do we get the processes in place that, as I say, enable people to do what they need to do well, rather than get in the way of them doing it. So again, there is a danger of creating something and just leaving it there, rather than optimising it and making it more effective. And then the final point I would say is, you know, as an industry, we collect a lot of data, we're aware of digital tools and technologies, but we've yet to really combine them to come up with something really effective and I know it's a passion of yours and I know we as a business are looking at that about how we can enable people to do this easier and one of the important points that did come up on many occasions uh, the other day was there is a bit of a bandwagon started about out of the box software tools that will solve all these problems well you know they won't I know they won't and what we've got to do is make sure that there is an intelligence and understanding of the complexity we're talking about and bring in the appropriate tools that can actually help solve this. So software isn't the solution, but it's part of the solution. Now, you're, there's been, it must be at least a year, if not longer, the uh, number of software vendors have sold solutions to the golden thread. 
which is interesting seeing as you know that has yet to be defined fully understood mm. or really released when really all it is is a common data environment which is part of the answer you know having somewhere where all documentation is seen understood audible and things like that but I do firmly believe um, and I know um, plenty of people out there who agree as well that existing infrastructure um, will never really fully answer it, that we need something far more immutable, decentralised and why Web 3.0 and blockchain and why we're so keen on looking at it as the next step in the evolution is key to it. Because without that immutability, without the understanding, without a bit of automation and smart contracts, um, there will be it will be hard for the industry to the one-off clients, the new clients, to truly understand the complexities required. I think that's right. Um, but as you and I know, if we're not careful, the term blockchain technologies just brings another level of complexity to this. Mm. And it's about how can we make... Some people don't need to know what's back of house, all of the, all of the technology that makes that happen. All they need to know is this is a dashboard that enables me to get insight to do something to, to, to enable my business to run better. So we've got to make sure once again that technology providers are using the right sort of language and using it in the context that is appropriate to business leaders. Otherwise it just becomes another bit of fog, another bit of complexity. No, I agree and I think you know we've BIM is a great example. BIM is yeah. great, yeah. BIM does fantastic things. Yeah. The information management sort of ecosystem that it creates is great, but we've created a cottage industry um, in certain areas of the industry around it that barriers to entry can be unnecessarily high because of the way we've approached the development of it. Yes, and, and, and unwittingly almost made it elusive to people that people feel um, they can't ask anymore. I, I've missed that and I, I feel stupid now to ask a question and some people as I say, unwittingly have sort of moved themselves away from perceived reality and it's really important that they, they become conjoined again. Yeah, no, certainly, and again, you know, without geeking out too much, but that's why you know, the, the decentralised nature of blockchain, it is, allows a lot more interoperability, inclusivity, because you can create something that everyone can understand can put their opinions to can create evolve an improved approach to the industry if you have an approach that everyone can vote on include be part of and i think that's the the benefits are definitely there it's how you communicate those benefits mm. to people to embrace it that's that's the challenge but you know the future is coming so we might as well get on there now Exactly, and uh, you know, I know, and if anyone out there is interested in um, hearing more about blockchain and uh, our thoughts on it and how we think uh, that decentralized nature um, and platforms will impact the industry, uh, please do get in touch. Uh, we are investigating and developing our own solutions around it um, that will support not just the uh, building uh, safety build but construction in general, yeah. uh, trying to help people understand and create trust uh, because I think that's. Where I come from with a lot of this is I think often as an industry we don't trust the data we have, each other's intentions, um, because you know, maybe it is the contract is adversarial in nature, maybe it is that we have uncertainties about our, our competence uh, that we try and hide. So I think that unfortunately as an industry 
the lack of trust of each other creates an environment yeah. that breaks down. Uh, whereas if you have something that is immutable, that helps guide you through automation, smart contracts, through the rules um, that are required, it cannot help but create trust that allows leadership to create a better culture, that allows a focus on the right way of doing things. As long as it's an enabler rather than the solution in itself, it's Definitely. part of that whole, that's the key to it. Definitely. Ultimately, all software is, is an enabler for people to do better, greater exactly. things. And that certainly should be the way that technology on the whole is looked at. Is it's an enabler to do better things, not the answer to do better things. Yeah. Uh, so on that, shall we leave We're it there? The <laughs> yeah. yeah, before we disagree <laughs> <laughs> and spend 20 minutes arguing about something, we'll leave it there. Um, so um, it sounds like it was a really useful um, conference. Uh, plenty of insight came from it. Um, hopefully, um, attendees, uh, they agree. Uh, if you are interested in hearing more about our thoughts on the Building Safety Bill, on insights from the conference last week, on blockchain, uh, please do get in touch. If you'd like to be a guest uh, to talk about any of them, again, please do get in touch. We are always really interested to hear what the industry out there has to think. Um, so, Brendan, thank you for uh, not being the host <laughs> and being the guest this week. much better than when I do. <laughs> uh, and everyone out there, please do like, subscribe, share, and uh, look forward to hopefully seeing you again next week. Want to learn more about how Invent can help your business maximize its bottom line? Head on over to www.invent.com and get in touch with our team today. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.